Good? Thank you, young ladies, so very much for that. And I want to say thank you to all of you that uh, have helped prepare meals and uh, all the things, the families that host missionaries. And I want to say thank you so very much uh, for Grace Baptist Church. And, uh, you know, if y'all haven't noticed, uh, this, this building will hold a lot of hay. But you're running out of room for hay. And uh, that's a good problem to have, isn't it? And I uh, thank the Lord for what uh, He is doing. We understand that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. And so anything good that we have, we need to acknowledge that it comes from Him. It includes the, the blessings upon your church. And uh, what a joy it is to uh, have been here two years ago and uh, be here now and to see some familiar faces and then to see new faces. And uh, so it was good. It's even good to see uh, Brother Daniel, all right? I, that way I clarify, it's not your dad, amen? And, uh, but uh, enjoy being able to uh, be reconnected and uh, pick on one another. And so it's been good. It's been a good week. It's Friday night. I'd rather be in the church house than the bar house. I'd rather be in the church house than the jail house. By the way, the bar house leads to the jail house. And then it leads to the morgue house. And, uh, but what a joy it is to be able to be here. And I, I have teased Brother Gazaway because the last, last night and tonight, he has been out with the young people. And, and uh, he's kind of like me. You know, once you... Once you uh, get below about the age of 12, we just look at those kids and are like, what am I doing with you? <laughs> and uh, so I have teased and enjoyed picking on him and uh, having some fun with him. And I looked at him, I looked at him, I think it was yesterday or today, and I told him, I said, well, you know, it could be worse. And he goes, how's that? I said, it could be me back there with the kids. <laughs> and uh, but uh, anyway, it is a joy to be here with you. Now, don't forget tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock is the pancake breakfast. All right. And don't forget, 8 o'clock, pancakes. Amen? All right. And then 9 o'clock, come and help uh, assemble and put together some scriptures. And uh, Brother Leake, I, I enjoyed the presentation, the the Bible's distribution into the public schools, and I saw the, the John and Romans, the Juan and Romas, and uh, so I, I enjoy that. I always appreciate that uh, because a, a big part of our ministry is helping to get uh, scriptures into the public schools in, in Southeast Asia, and so it was a joy to see that. Uh, always at Christmas time, we go through about 100,000 John and Romans, and uh, uh, all of that is in public schools. And I always say that we have more freedom to preach the gospel in Thailand than I do in America. It's because I can go in the public schools in Thailand. I can talk about Priyasu Christ, Jesus Christ. I can go in the public schools of America and talk about God. I just can't give him a name. But he's got a name. A name that's above all other names. And so what joy, I always enjoy seeing other ministries and the open door in other countries into the public schools, reaching the young people. If you have your Bibles, take and open to Luke chapter number six. 
Luke chapter number 6. I know what time it is. That's just code for the fact that the speaker knows what time it is. And, and uh, uh, if you're like me, you, you know, you grew up in church and speakers would get up and it'd be a little bit late and they'd be like, now I know what time it is and, and uh, we're not going to keep you long. And then they would preach for 45, 50 minutes, right? You know, if we were lucky. And uh, or some would stand up, and I'm I was guilty of doing this until even a few years ago. They'd stand up and they'd say, "Now listen, I'm going to tell you like Elizabeth Taylor told her last husband. I won't keep you long." <laughs> I did that. I said that one time, and I had a young man about 22 came up to me after the service. He said, "I had to Google who Elizabeth Taylor was." <laughs> I have stopped making those statements because it's kind of like I'm looking and realizing half of you get that joke and the other half are going, who? Who? And then they're doing this while I'm preaching, right? And so, uh, but uh, I promise you, I, I told the pastor before the ladies got up to sing, I said, now listen, I said, tonight's the shortest message I have. And uh, y'all don't look too reassured with that, do you? <laughs> Amen. But uh, I promise you, I, I know that tomorrow's going to be a busy day. There were quite a, quite a few got done today, right? And so if I remember right, uh, typically if we got a good group of folks that come tomorrow morning, we should be done about uh, tw between 12 and 1, really, and then start wrapping things up and getting things loaded up. Now listen, once they're done, doesn't mean run off. A lot of equipment and cleanup that needs to take place. All right, many hands make light work. All right, now, now listen, you be thankful for your pastor because he is very diplomatic and kind and everything. I'm leaving Monday, so I'll be mean. <laughs> and, and the truth of it is, is everybody likes putting them together. Nobody likes cleaning house. Right? Am I right, Brother Kittrell? Yeah, yeah. And, but there's a lot more work that needs to be done after they're put together. Many hands make light work. So I'm going to speak short tonight so you'll get a good night's sleep. If you don't get a good night's sleep, it's on you. Yeah. And so Luke chapter number 6, Luke chapter number 6. Look with me if you would down in verse number 38. I want to read one verse to get us started. Luke chapter number 6, verse 38. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. I want to speak to you tonight on this subject, the simpleness of faith promise. The simpleness of faith promise. Folks, listen to me. Faith promise is simple. You find it right here in this verse. But we in our sinfulness complicate a lot of things that Christ simplifies. You really, you stop and think about it. God gave us 10 commandments. And then the Jews just kept adding ordinances and ordinances and ordinances. To when Christ came on the scene, they asked him, they said, what is the greatest commandment? And the Lord himself simplified everything to two. The great commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second is like unto the, the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
You know what the Lord did? He said, I want to simplify things for you. You, you know, we, over, we complicate a lot of things. You know, the Lord said, come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is and people talk about oh the Christian life is so hard Jesus said my yoke is easy we are the ones that complicate things and the truth is is we complicate many times faith promise in this verse we will see the simpleness of faith promise let's pray tonight father how good it is to be able to call you father if we have trusted Christ as our Savior, you are our Heavenly Father. Lord, as I was reminded yesterday in the book of Psalms that the other gods are not gods. Lord, they have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Lord, they are made by the hands of men. And yet, Lord, you are without beginning and without ending. You are the Alpha and the Omega. And I pray, Lord, that tonight we would look and realize how simple this is. Lord, really, may I say how simple the Christian life is. And Father, may we understand that we in our sinfulness complicate things and we think this, the Christian life is so hard, but you said it's easy. And let, yet, Lord, your word says the way of transgressors is hard. So many times when life is hard, we complicate things. It's because of our sinfulness and our transgressions and our iniquities. So Father, please forgive us tonight of those things. Help us not just to open our ears, but open our hearts. And Lord, may you enlighten our understanding to realize that you love us. And you're not really going to make things hard on us. Lord, we'll go through trials. We understand it rains on the just and the unjust. But the truth of it is, is you're there with us every step of the way. You've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And your mercies are new every morning. And Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. Give me clarity of mind and help me to get this truth across. We'll be very careful to give you the honor and the glory for what you do. We ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. You know, as I said on Wednesday night, we see the principles of faith promise in many areas. The most prominent is the area of salvation. Although we don't think of it that way, salvation is faith promise. You step out by faith and trust Christ whom you've never seen to take you to a place you've never been to. And he promises that you don't only get eternal life, but he's going to prepare a place for you. A mansion. I don't know about you, but I don't live in a mansion. Matter of fact, for the last few nights, I've lived at the Fairfield Inn. Right? For the next couple of nights, I'm going to live at the Fairfield Inn. And then I'm going to live at another hotel for a couple of nights. And then I'm going to live for five nights wherever Miss Hannah's parents put us up at. So put a plug in for a nice hotel, would you? And, uh, but, but, we step out by faith and trust Christ and God promises not to just give us eternal life, but he also promises to give us a mansion. Now, most of us don't live in a mansion here, but we're gonna live in a mansion there. If you're saved, are you saved tonight? 
Well, about 15, 20 of you are. The rest of you are trying to decide if it's nap time, bedtime yet, right? So we are saved by the faith promise method. That's the most prominent area that we would think of of faith promise. If we looked at it in those terms, we take that step of faith. And then we come, and then last night I kind of talked to us a little bit logically, but I ended it by reminding you of some things that faith promise is not. Faith promise is not your tithe. The tithe is the Lord's, Leviticus 27, Right? And again, when you come to me and talk to me about that being Old Testament, may I remind you that tithing is the only thing that the Lord Jesus commended the Pharisees of in the New Testament. Matthew 23, 23, he said, you tithe of anin, mints, and cumin. Those were the, the littlest of spices. It is not gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It is anin and mint, uh, cumin. And, and he said, you tithe of that. And he, but then he said, but you omit the weightier matters of the law. Then Christ makes the statement, these ought ye to have done. He said, you ought to tithe on the smallest of things that have been given to you because we are to honor the Lord with our substance and with the first fruits of all our increase. You understand that the Lord commended the widow woman for casting in two mites. And he said, all these cast in out of their abundance, but she out of her substance. You know what she was saying? I'm trusting God with what I got because I'm putting in what I do have and trusting that he's gonna give back. It's kind of like the widow woman at Zarephath. She had to give what little bit she had first in order to get back from God that which was gonna sustain her, all right? Faith promises not your tithe. God told Israel, I've got a controversy. I've got a problem with you because you've robbed me. And Israel said, wherein have we robbed thee? And God said, in tithes and, not or, and offerings. If you're choking on that, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at the preacher. You get mad at the Lord. It's his word. The tithe is the Lord's. And then I said last night, faith promise is not figuring out what you can give. Listen, I, I didn't grow up in an independent Baptist church. So when I was first, when faith promise was first introduced to me, I'll be honest with you. I sat there and said, somebody has cooked up some scheme to raise more money. Until I started looking at scripture and seeing principles and realizing that, hey, you know what it is? It's faith. Faith. Without faith, it is, thank you. It is impossible. It's not hard. It's impossible to please God. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is, huh, I guess when we become so self-reliant, that we sin even when we don't realize we're sinning. Look at me and listen to me. Sinning is not just those that drink and those that chew and I'm not gonna run with those that do. Right? We sin all the time. You're looking at a sinner. If you don't believe me, go ask my wife. She's got a list of them. Okay. But the honest truth is, is I'm looking at you and your sinners as well. 
And in our sinfulness, we complicate things. But we got to realize so many times when it comes down to instead of just going to the Lord and saying, Lord, what will thou have me to do? You understand when Paul got saved, that was the first thing he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Lord, what would that have me to do? We're going to our checkbook and we're figuring out, now what can I do? Faith promise is not figuring out what you can do. Is going to God and asking God, what do you want me to do? Sometimes he may say, well, listen, you got a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. I want you to take care of the man of God. Lord, if I do that, then my son and I aren't going to have a meal. Oh, yeah, if you do what I ask you to do, what I command you to do, I'll take care of you. Right? Now, therein lies our pride. I'm going to come to that in a little bit. But faith promise is not figuring out what you can give. I think that through the years, I think that's why many have gotten disillusioned with faith promise. Because if you can figure it out, God will let you figure out how to give it. But if it, you go to God and you ask God and you get direction from God and God directs you, then it's on him. Are you with me tonight? So faith promises not the tithe. It's not figuring out what you can give. It, may I say number three, it's not being foolish about selecting amount. I, I've had people say, well, if it's not dependent upon me, I'll just put $1,000 a week down. And I said, well, listen, if you go to God and you pray and you seek God's face, and that's what the amount God tells you to, is not being foolish. There's a fine line between faith and foolishness. Everybody always says, what's that line? And I always say, God's word. God's word. See, if I had left Caterpillar and stepped out by faith to go in the ministry on my own whim, it would have been foolish. But when God directed and God gave a verse, you know, when I stepped out of the pastorate to go into missions, when I stepped out of Caterpillar, I had a nest egg. You know, I had four daughters. By the time I stepped out of the pastorate into missions, those four daughters had, do y'all understand weddings are not cheap? Yeah, I didn't get paid in the pastorate like I did it caterpillar. That nest egg was not there. If everybody thought it was a step of faith to go from corporate into ministry, to go from pastorate into missions was an even bigger step of faith. But wait a minute. I know whom I have believed in. And I'm assured that he is able not just to keep that which I've committed, but to keep everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And guess what? That includes me. Right? So, but it's not being foolish. You must, you must go to God in prayer and allow God to direct you. It would be so easy if I could stand up and say to you, the scripture says, here's what you're supposed to do for world missions. It is easy for me to stand up and say, the tithe is the tenth and you're supposed to give a tenth of all your increase to the Lord because that's what the scripture says. But when it comes to the offering, guess what gets involved? You and God. You've got to go to God and allow God to direct. It would be so nice if I could tell you, but I can't. 
That's why you have to go to God. All right? Are you still with me tonight? Through the years, I have learned this, that some people think that, that faith promise is some super spiritual activity done by super spiritual Christians. I just want you to look at someone who is not a super spiritual Christian. Don't, y'all seem so shocked by that. I'm looking at a whole congregation of not so super spiritual Christians either. Right? Guess what? We're all robed in flesh. We all have our fears and our phobias because of our flesh. We all have our doubts. Faith is always mingled with doubt. Why? Because of our sinfulness. And we always think it's some super spiritual thing. No, it's one more step. One more step. One more step. Now listen to me. Whatever you committed last year, if God helped you with that commitment, it's not faith for this year. Boy, that's, yeah, you're looking going, mm, mm. look at me. I'm not a super spiritual person. You, why do you make that statement? Because I know what it's like at our church's missions conference when I'd say, you know, it'd be pretty easy for me just to recommit because I already know that God came through last year. And I don't find God backsliding and backing up. So it'd be pretty easy for me to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to write down what I did last year because I already know God can come through. But that would not be a step of faith. I don't, you don't have to leap tall buildings, but you got to take one more step. One more step and trust the Lord. So how is everybody can and everybody should and everybody's commanded because this is an offering to be a part of helping to do the other command and that is the great commission and that is help reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how is faith promise simple? I want you to look with me, if you would, in Luke chapter number six. I don't want you to look at some of the, the previous verses. Look back up to verse number 36. This is Luke's account of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, many times, are, uh, they could be standalone verses. I, I've, I've heard some so many times they talk about, well, now in context and this and that and this other. Well, the truth of it is, is the Beatitudes, the Lord treats that almost as if it's like a proverb to where it's single verses that could stand alone, right? But, but wait a minute, look in context, verse number 36, he makes this statement, be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful, Verse 37, judge not and you shall not be judged. Notice what he says, condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven, right? We get all those. Matter of fact, the end of verse number 37, the punctuation is a what? A colon. Guess what that means? Verse 38 is a continuation of this same thought. And what does he say? Give and it shall be given unto you. You know what he's basically saying? The Lord's basically saying what you put in is what you're going to get out. All right? So what you put into faith promise is going to determine your faith, what faith you put in is going to determine the faith that, that comes out. Are you with me? All right, so how is it simple? I want you to notice some very simple things. The first thing we see is the command to do what? 
give. Give. The first thing we see is a very simple command, young people. First thing, give. Give. It does not say get and then give. It says give. First thing. Right? And your pastors made reference to it in 2 Corinthians 8. We give out of what we have. But so many times what we're doing is we're looking at the budget. We're going, now where can I squeeze some money out of? No, 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 no. Go to God's. God, what do you have me to do? What would you have me to give? And then you figure out everything else after that. Now, now listen to me. I'm going to tell you this, and I don't tell every church this. But the largest payment that Amber and I make every month is our faith promise. You know what that statement that makes to God? This is a priority. Listen to me. You get mad at me if you want to. But we're not going to reach the world on spare change. Not going to happen. It takes men and it takes money. It does. You go to Walmart and they're, they got their hand out. You go to the gas station, they got their hand out. You go to Chick-fil-A, they got their hand out. It takes men, it takes men and women, people willing to go. But wait a minute, for them to be able to go, it takes money. It takes money. And God said, I'll simplify it, give, give, give. Wait a minute. For God so loved the world that he gave. You can give without loving, but you won't love without giving. And the truth of it is, if you have a giving issue, it is not because the money, it is because the heart. And we've got a heart issue of loving the one who gave everything for you and I. He who is rich became poor, so we who are poor could become rich. If you don't think you're blessed, then in a few weeks, buy, buy a ticket and come with me to Nigeria, Africa. 200 million people and 120 million of them live on one U.S. dollar a day or less. Anybody want to live on a dollar a day? You, you, you think we got a homeless problem now. Yeah, we look at our checkbook and we think, hmm, God sure has been good to us. Yeah, with much being given, much is required. We see the simple command, first of all, is to give. And I've heard people say, well, I tell you what, when God gives to me, that's not the verse. Give and it shall be given. All right? Give and it shall be given. We give first the step of faith and then you get the promise. It shall be given. All right? The second thing that we see. Oh, look at there. We're already in point number two and I only have three. I can preach at midnight with the next two if you want. Yeah, y'all are. I'm with you, buddy. Yeah. The second thing we see is that more will be given 
to us by our faith and obedience to give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know, I used to, I used to wonder about that, and then I stopped and thought about growing up. I grew up in Powder Springs, about two hours north of here. I grew up on 26 acres. My grandparents live right next door. My grandfather really put gardens all over that 26 acres. I mean, we had the, the blueberry patch, and then we had the strawberry patch. Then out back, he had the potato field, and then over on the side of the house was the corn field, and, and then you had the bean field and everything. Are y'all with me? Any, any of you remember that growing up? I... I there was no such thing as sleeping in when Paul lived next door. That was my grandfather. He was Paul, all right? Paul lived next door. There was no such thing as sleeping in. I would have loved to have known what it was like to sleep till the crack of noon. <laughs> all teenagers are like, oh, yes, the crack of noon. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. You know why? Paul lived next door. Paul sharecropped through the Depression, Paul never left the depression. So at 6 a.m., if I was lucky, Paul would come in because he had a key to the house. My mother was the baby, so he left the baby alone because that was his baby. But I was, even though I was the baby's oldest, it was still something of the fact that Paul just didn't believe in boys sleeping in. So Paul would come and open, unlock the, the house and come in. And where my bedroom was, he'd come in, tap me. Hey, son, come on, get up, let's go. He would already have the trailer hooked up to the tractor, you know, and, and it didn't matter what we were doing. We were doing something. But I always remember this at, at bean picking time. Anytime you had to pick beans or corn or whatever it was, he'd come in there and, and Paul had these, they had these old wicker baskets. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All right. Then Paul also had the, the burlap sacks. Anybody remember the burlap sacks, the single strap that hang down right here? And, and Paul would have all of those on the trailer. He'd come in and he'd say, come on, son, let's go. What, you know, and I'd just come out. Where are we going, Paul? We're going to pick beans. Now, listen, I love eating beans, but I hated picking beans. I used to hate it when my grandmother in South Georgia would call my dad and say, do you know what this weekend is? It would be corn canning weekend. My wife and I, we went one time right after we first got married. My wife said, listen, I love you. I said, yeah, I know I hate it too. Good, I'm using you as an excuse. Yeah, 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 y'all, y'all are, yeah, y'all are looking, y'all know, see, you're with me, but, but we would get out there, and we get in the bean field, and my grandfather would give me that burlap sack, and you get out, and you start picking beans, and you put them in the sack, you know, that sack could get about halfway full, it'd be heavy, and I'd be going, Paul, I'm headed back to the trailer, I'm gonna dump these beans, you know what my grandfather would do, he'd come over and grab my bag, and he'd shake it. He'd say, son, you got enough room for one or two more rounds. 
When it was finally full to Paul's acceptance, we would go to the trailer and we'd dump out of the burlap sack into the wicker baskets. All right? Y'all know where I'm going here? You get to a point where I'd say, Paul, the, the baskets are full. Let's go to the house. You know why? Because I knew we'd been in there long enough. Ma was fixing cathead biscuits. Yeah, yeah, I told you, he rolled me out of bed. I hadn't eaten. I'm sitting here thinking, Ma's, and as soon as I walk in the door, Ma would say, son, how do you want your eggs? I want them fried, Ma, over easy. She'd say, you want bacon? Yes, ma'am, please. And I'd sit down and I got to be the, the baby's baby with Ma. But we'd dump them into that basket. I'd say, hey, Paul, I'm getting hungry. Let's, let's go to the house. Ma's, Ma's probably got biscuits on. I said, the baskets are full. You know what my grandfather would do? He'd walk over and he'd grab those baskets and he'd start shaking. He'd look at me and say, son, we got more room. Picking beans. My grandfather was not happy until those baskets were what? Running over. Once those baskets were running over, he would say, all right, we put in a good day. Let's go. I'd always say, thank you. I'm so faint. Oh. <laughs> Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You understand, we serve a very good and a very gracious Father. The truth is, is he delights in showing himself strong on our behalf. Where does it start? Give a step of faith. Give first, and it shall be given. And more is given by our faith and our obedience to him. But the first step is give. Number three, and I'm done. We realize that God is going to use others to give to us. Look in verse number 38. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Notice the next statement. Shall men give into your bosom. You know, the reality is, is God's going to use other people to give it back to you. God's going to use other people. But the sad thing about it is, is we sometimes, men, and I'll preach to the men, ladies, for a second. Men, sometimes it's our pride that won't allow us to receive the blessings that God has in store for us. You know why? It's because it's going to be another man giving it to us. And our pride, we look and say, I can take care of my family. Yeah, God bless you. And he is trying to take care of his family. We are his children, the sheep of his pasture. Shall men give into your bosom? But you've got to check your pride at the door. Because God's going to use another man or mankind to give it to you. And guess what that means you've got to do? You've got to be humble enough to accept the fact that God spoke to somebody else's heart 
to be a blessing to you. And in that humility, we realize it's not because of us. It's because of him. But pride gets in the way. Listen to me, men. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You get to the point that I can take care of my family. Yep. You can't breathe unless God gives you breath. We can't do anything unless God allows it. So when we have a need, even if we don't advertise, sometimes it's great when it's just you and God knowing your need and then somebody walks up and says, hey, brother, and boom. You know what that tells me? That tells me somebody's walking with God. So they walk up and they say, hey, you know, I'd like to. You know, there's that pride factor. Says, I, I can take care of us. But that humility factor looks and ought to be like, Thank you for letting the Lord use you and realizing God said, shall men give into your bosom. He's going to use others. That's why you got to learn to say thank you to the person and then thank you to the Heavenly Father. Sometimes, fellas, if we're not careful, our pride prevents God from being so good to us. We serve a very good and a very gracious Father. Can I remind you that it says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Now, now wait a minute. Notice what he says, for the same measure, the same measure, the same amount you meet, that you meet, with all it shall be measured or amounted to you. So let me fast forward this. You know, your pastor said the Lord's coming back soon. Right? Do, do you understand that, yes, we've got the marriage supper, the lamb, we've got all those things. But you understand in that time frame is also something called the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, how do you want to reap at the judgment seat? For the same measure that you meet or amount, it shall be measured or amounted to you. How do you want to? How do you want to stand that day before the Lord? Then I guess that determines all the way back here how you should be planting and how you should be watering so that you can receive on that day to give back to the one who gave everything for us. Folks, faith promise is pretty simple. It's right there in verse 38. Give first by faith and it shall be given to you. Who's God going to use to do it? Men. Men. You know, when we first, when I first was kind of introduced to Faith Promise, my wife grew up more in it and hearing it. And so when we got back into church and, you know, and I'm sitting there listening, I'm thinking, okay, 
I believe in a world evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. Then it's kind of like, all right, let's, let's try this. You know, and you, you step out by faith and it's kind of like, all right. And I was working at Caterpillar and about three weeks after I made my commitment, about the point that I'm sitting here going, all right, now, now Lord, when are you coming through with this? You know, I'm putting it out there. You know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm new at this and everything. I, and it's like, all right, Lord, when this going to happen? You know, I, I worked at Cat, as, as I've told you, there was a thing that Caterpillar used to do quarterly. It was called COLA. Anybody know what COLA is? Cost of living adjustment. In other words, they gave you an inflation raise every quarter. That's pretty good, right? Wouldn't you like for the church to give you an inflation raise every quarter? Yeah. But uh, they would do that. And again, one of the first years that we did this, uh, Faith Promise, it was kind of like three weeks later, I'm sitting there going, all right, Lord, when, when's this, you know, you giving back to me going to happen? You know, it's kind of like I'm sitting there looking at the budget, And I'm like, all right, Lord, we're stepping out by faith. My wife's faith has always been bigger than mine. I'm just being transparent. I'm not super spiritual. And, and so I'm sitting there thinking about, and about that time the memo comes out, COLA adjustment. It was the largest COLA increase in the history of COLA at Caterpillar. Guess what it covered? My faith promise. I opened up that email and I looked at that COLA adjustment and what, the, what it was and I'm sitting there, this was before cell phones, so I'm sitting over there on a calculator. Yeah, some of these young people are going, before cell phone, what was that? <laughs> and I'm figuring out on a calculator and I'm going, I'm looking at the amount and I'm going, guess what it was? It was my faith promise. And I was like, yeah guys I work with Holt that's what they call me that's what I call me Holt are you okay oh man I'm doing great I said isn't this awesome that cola and they go well, it's about time the company took care of us I said no 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 this is great this is awesome and they go why are you so excited about that and I said because in our church a few weeks back I made this commitment to give to missionaries so we get the gospel and they go there you go talking that religious stuff and I said I said and the preacher was talking about all this stepping out by faith and you you know you give and then God will give it back to you I said everything that I committed just came back to me in that cola they looked at me and they go, Hall, you realize every single one of us got that, right? I looked at them and I said, aren't you guys glad that God's blessing you because of my faith and obedience? <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, is people are blessed by your faith and obedience. People in Honduras are going to be blessed by your faith and obedience. People in England are going to be blessed by your faith and obedience. People in Canada are going to be blessed by your faith and obedience. You may not see them 
because they may not work next to you, but one day at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to see them. You remember the song, Thank You for Giving? I was a life that was changed. That's not just a song that somebody dreamed up. That's probably going to happen when we get to heaven. The millions of people, us included, because the Apostle Paul stepped out by faith to push into the regions beyond to the uttermost so that you and I could have the gospel. And now it's our turn to step out and push the gospel to the regions beyond to the uttermost so that he is known and accepted. Faith promises, simple folks. Verse 38. Please let's not complicate what God has simplified for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, I pray that every single person, young or old, under the sound of my voice tonight, if they have not already, Lord, commitments are going to be asked to be given on Sunday. If they have not already, I pray that between now and Sunday, they would diligently seek your face as to what you would have them to do. Lord, in this initial area of giving, and Father, as I've said in other nights, it's easy to give money unless you're calling us to go. And then it's us giving of ourselves, giving ourselves. Lord, no amount of money is going to substitute obedience when you've called us. But Lord, if you haven't called us, if you've just called us to be a faithful layman or a worker here, then Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful givers so that your word goes out to the uttermost parts. So that people of every kindred, of every tribe, of every tongue, of every nation have the opportunity like we've had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Lord, whether they receive it, that's between them, you, and the Holy Spirit. But Lord, they need to have the opportunity to be told of what you've done for them. So Father, please, I pray that every person would diligently seek your face and to pray and to see what you would have each and every individual do in this area of faith promise. And we'll be thankful and give you all the glory and praise for you deserve it all for what is accomplished for eternity's sake. Would you stand with me, please? Our heads are bound, our eyes are closed. The pianist begins to play the invitation. Altars are open. And again, I ask you tonight, if you've not yet been praying, please, please go to the Lord. Lord, what would that have me to do? Lord, would you have me? Are you calling me to give myself? Or Lord, are you calling me to give financially so that others can go? It takes both men and money. What would God have you to do?